I didn't come out here to to be a nice bloke. I'm not squeaky clean Rob who, you know, I like having a bit of fun. I like scamming a bit. I like mucking up. That's just me. Um, but I came out here to win. I, I wouldn't be here. Why would I be here doing this if I didn't have to be in away from my wife and my little boy? Morning all. Hey, hey Robbo. Um, what's the goss? If I came out here to be, to be nice and not oh, win, then I wouldn't be messing with a 22-year-old's head. <laughs> podcast daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are back for another episode recap. We are in to episode 11, Cockiness comes to an end. First aired on the 1st of May 2002 and this is a very, very interesting episode. I think this is actually quite a groundbreaking episode for Australian Survivor. And why do I think that? Well, you're going to find out because we're going to be recapping this, going through all the good bits, the bad bits, and everything else in between. We do have to, of course, introduce ourselves at the beginning of an episode. My name is Ben Waterworth, and I've got a bit of a gut full of rubber, I think. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. My name's Matt Dyson, and groundbreaking... Is it groundbreaking because we see the biggest, baddest webcam you've ever seen? <laughs> ever? Like, is that, we'll talk about that later, Ben. That's, that is a huge webcam, but uh, we see a lot of Joel singing in this episode once again. Maybe later on we can hear you sing a bit more. We know we'll, you'll sing in last recap, but uh, it, it is a very interesting episode. Does Jane still suck? <laughs> Some people think she does. <laughs> hey, uh, she was queen last a lot time. Goes, <laughs> a lot goes on in this episode, Ben. Yeah, look, uh, groundbreaking for all those reasons and more. I mean, yes, that webcam, uh, I believe that was one of only three things in 2002 you could see from space. But no, I think this episode, in terms of just laying the foundations for the game of Survivor, I think that, you know, we are, as we constantly go in very early days Survivor, people often write this season off as being boring, no strategy, and just kind of, you know, paint by numbers. But we have a very significant uh, deal made in this episode that really shifts the game. And it it comes down to some very interesting strategic moves and one particular ploy here by a certain Mr. Rob Dixon. And as much as we have sold how great this man is, I mean, this just solidifies greatness for Rob Dixon, what he's able to do in this episode. Shona has a fantastic episode in terms of her strategic mindset. And we obviously have a very important uh, tribal council. We have a tie. And 
it's it's not as important as kind of what we're going to get in the next tribal council in the next episode, but it's a significant thing to have a tie, I think, in your very first season. I mean, we didn't have a tie until season two in the States, but, uh, you know, plenty plenty of discussion point in this episode. Let's just say this right now. Not the most entertaining episode in terms of entertainment value, but in terms of what you have from the meat of this season, this is arguably the most important episode of this season. I think a lot of people forget that these tie votes actually happen. People just think that, you know, everyone just gets voted off easily and it comes down to the end. It, it's not. This episode shows that, I mean, this is Shona and Rob at their absolute best. This, the fact that they can convince someone by the end of this episode to go along with them to the final three and let those two just go on into the final two is, I mean, that's it, it, it's unbelievable and something that, you know, it... it it needs to be spoken about. We're going to speak a lot about it because it is a, such an interesting part of this season and what makes this final ending so good. Well, you're 100% right. And, I mean, this is the episode that, that locks down how this game is going to end. This is this is the one episode that really sells that. And it's interesting that, as we've talked about, particularly in the last few weeks, Craig's imprint on this game really kind of is laid full to bear here for this episode and kind of Joel is the one that ultimately is going to make this season turn out how it is and it's it's fascinating just to see Joel in this episode and there's a lot of awkward stuff again around Joel this episode which I thought a couple of weeks ago you know that was it that was the only time we're gonna to have to talk about certain you know elephants in the room but we will have to talk about it again in this episode but um yeah it's just it's fascinating and particularly when we get to the the tie vote I, I am a huge advocate for returning to how this used to be of of maintaining this tiebreaker that has passed votes against you. I won't get too much into that right now because that would maybe be a interesting topic later on and get your thoughts and everything, Matt. But it's it's something that I think is is a great great way of breaking ties. And it also, it makes for, you know, a different strategy deep into the game when you've got to think about these sort of things earlier on when you're playing. So lots of layers. I I, I seem to be mentioning the word layers a lot uh, in this season when we're recapping it. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, everything from wrapping Joel to, to ties to whether or not Jane sucks again because if if you know if we're alternating weeks, Jane was queen a couple of weeks ago on this show and she's probably going to go back to sucking again this week, right? And don't forget, this is Lincoln's best episode. Oh. Oh, we, I can't wait to talk about Lincoln's uh, involvement in this episode. If, if, you, if everyone remembers us back in the very first interview we did on this show, speaking to Lincoln, and we went out of our way for him to drop a quote, here is the episode with the quote, and uh, oh, very, very exciting. I have to say, a lot of, it's, it's kind of, this episode goes by very fast because I think it's very, the way it's separated, like there's not kind of long stretches of things. So like everything here pre-reward challenge is very quick and it's kind of, there's not a whole lot to dissect here. But the one thing, we don't usually talk about the last week on Australian Survivor section, but I, I did like this week's last week on Australian Survivor section because you have Lincoln sort of really hammering home what happened last week with Lance's vote. And basically that line when he says, Lance's departure exposed the lies. And then kind of you've got this like editing where you kind of have a shot of Rob, Shona, Katie, and you've got this music in the background going, dun, 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 dun. Like it's, it's very 
dramatic. And I just want to point out, as someone who's very critical of Channel 10 being over-dramatic, this is dramatic done right. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. It's uh, They're trying to sell what's going to be happening for the rest of this game. And they know, they know that this season all comes down to this final three alliance that ends up happening this episode. So it is a great sort of intro to this to this huge episode. And let's be honest, we don't get a lot of Katie this episode. Um, this, I think, might be Katie's lowest episode. It is. She only gets two confessionals this episode, which early on, earlier in the season, you know, there was a couple of episodes where she got one or two, but I felt they were more substantial confessionals. I feel the only sort of substantial confessional we get from Katie is kind of right here at the beginning where she's essentially like... Lance was so shocked last night. I felt awful. You know, we kind of had to do what, you know, we we knew we would have to do eventually. And this is easily one of those moments where I can feel that these people who hated Katie would be screaming at the TV right now going like, you're such a hypocrite. Like, you know, two weeks ago, you're going off about Craig being a dirty, devious snake and an asshole and all those names under the sun. And yet this is the game and she's had to cut Lance like this. So, I mean... You know I love my Katie, and I'm always going to love my Katie, but this is one of those moments where I've got to kind of, you know, look at from the other side with people who didn't like Katie. This is one of those moments where I think, okay, that this is why they didn't like her. I also love when we get these shots right at the start of the episode at night, straight after Tribal Council. So this is the night of day 30, straight after Tribal Council. They're around campfire at night like we don't often even in today's survival we, that they're rare now but i i really like when episodes start like this i think it's a good insight about what was going on you know back at camp as soon as someone got voted out completely agree i always yeah absolutely agree i love these sort of reaction moments and this is so quick this is like uh maybe 30 seconds we get like a little reaction we get katie oh i felt shocked i felt awful he was shocked and then we go straight into the credits and then we go straight into basically joel because the the narrative of this episode is Joel was so surprised that there was an alliance and, hey, there's an alliance. <laughs> and so we get this from Joel about five times. And this is where kind of he's basically like, look, I think I've been kept in the in the dark. Uh, and, you know, and then he, he drops the line here where he's like, this is making me think that what Craig told me was right. Uh, which... Craig watching this episode must have just been throwing the lays at the screen, getting his solo, you know, getting his Cleo Bachelor of the Year nomination and beating it against his chair. He must have been ropeable, Matt. Uh, Craig tried everything to, to let Lance and Joel know what was going on. They just didn't want to believe it. And you're right, on the morning of day 31, the penny's dropped, hasn't it? The penny has dropped. Joel, he, he, he's, he's sitting there, he's trying to work out what is going on. Um, yeah, and, and he's, he's realising, oh, shit, Craig's right, there's an alliance. And can I just say, show, this is a massive episode for Shona. Some of these, her confessionals in this episode, I, I wish from the start, Ben, that we actually were going to rate like the top 10 confessionals of this season because I swear Shona's probably getting six of them. She has another one, a great one here where... You know, she knows she's she's talking to Joel. Joel's talking about this whole alliance thing. And then Shona has this confessional where she says, you'd have to say to yourself, how does he not know? But I don't think he does. And it's so true. Like, even after all this time, like, Shona cannot believe that Joel's either still doesn't know or, or finally working out something's going on. Because she mentions, 
that you've got to know at some point that there have to be alliances. Like, she drops that little line. And you're 100% right. Like, Shona's got some gold this episode. And, yeah, it's, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a valid point. You've got to assume at some point. And this is where I think, like, if we were going to give an MVP of this episode, I would almost give it to Joel. Because Joel's got a very interesting arc this episode. And I don't think we ever get anything better than we get from Joel this episode. And I think kind of you've got this whole this story arc here of, oh, maybe there is an alliance. Maybe Craig was right. You've then got that balance with Shona basically going like, surely he knows. And then later on, we've got like maybe one of the best confessionals of the season again from Rob, where he basically drops the line of like, you know, why do you think I'm dragging a 22 year old along? Like, just like, like it's, it's kind of, it all balances it out that if you kind of encompass it all into a little group, it's, you've got like hearing from side A, side B, side C. It's a complete picture. And in a, in a version of the game where there's no idols, there's no twists and turns, so when you're on the bottom, it's very hard to get off the bottom, you're right. Joel does an amazing job. He should have gone home this episode. He was going to go home last episode, but he got the, the immunity uh, idol. This one, he was going to go home, but we, even without idols or any of that shit, he's managed to get himself from the bottom into an alliance that ends up taking him to final three. It's, you're right. Joel gets MVP. Great episode for him. And it's probably the one and only time we really see him actually playing this game of Survivor. 100%. And this is what becomes Joel's legacy from Survivor, is that he ultimately will lay down and honour this deal that we will get to in this episode. And what do you think the question he will get for the rest of his, you know, time after this show is why did you do it? Why didn't you just, you know, go back on your word? And, I mean, this this is the car you know, deal in, in Fiji, you know, it's, it's kind of like dreams got absolutely ripped a new one. And this was, this season obviously aired well before Fiji, but like, this is such on a similar level. And you think about like had dreams. And for those who don't know, maybe we have people listening to this. I often drop references to us survivor and maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Just a a bit of a background on that is there was a, a contestant called dreams and you had Yao man and essentially, uh, Yao man, gave up the chance to... He won the car, and he gave up the car to give to Dreams and basically said, I will give you the car, if and if you win immunity, though, you have to give it to me at Final Four. And essentially, Dreams said, yeah, absolutely, I want the car, sure, like, I'll give you immunity. Of course, Dreams went on to win immunity, and he reneged on his deal and didn't give his immunity to Yao Man. So, of course, like, that was, like, a big talking point in that season. So, I mean, that would have been the same here. Had Joel, at the end here, maybe won immunity and went back on his word, you know, there's going to be a huge talking point. But either way, you're screwed when you make a deal like this. Getting ahead of myself. But the point is, like, Joel, just so much of Joel in this episode that it's really the only episode, I think, that you can ultimately say we have this from Joel. So, um fascinating fascinating guy joel is but just other stuff here before the reward because this is very quick into the reward i think we're like what four minutes in five minutes in and we're at the reward already this is modern survivor like we're just like boom straight into straight into a challenge we have a bit from katie talking about how these shell abalone muscle things sit in your stomach and feel like rubber um i gotta say I love you, Jane. Queen Jane, a couple of weeks ago. But, like, this is maybe a bit of a Jane sucks moment because it's literally like, we're all going to go down fishing. And Jane's like, no, I thought I would stay back and fix the beds. 
And then she says, fix the beds and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Probably her sternum is still hurting, Matt. You know, and that's another thing. It, it just shows you in Survivor you can never stop for one minute. You know, if her letting other people go off and talk ended up being the result of her going home in, in this episode. So, you know, even when you're down and out, sometimes you've just got to pick yourself up and just just go with people and so, so you're involved in the conversation. You know, she's always away in this episode. She's away from the main players in this game and, and it comes back to Horner. You're absolutely right. And again, those early days of Survivor where kind of people didn't think this way, you know, you don't have buddy systems and kind of things like that where, you know, you're monitoring people and things like that. But, um, yeah, but we, we we don't really get a whole lot here. Um, they they go to, the, what is it, um, Katie says, the city to windmill marathon or something with Rob. We see a lot of bees and snakes hanging around the, the water thing there as well. Now, Ben, I'm not a Thunderbirds guy, but Rob's doing the impression of Thunderbirds. Are you? Is he doing it right? I don't, I don't know. Look, I, I don't, I don't, I've never watched it. I, I know enough about the Thunderbirds, what he's referring to. But, um, see, I the thing that actually that reminds me of, and here's a reference for our Australian audience who like uh, Australian comedy, Lano and Woodley. If you ever watch their stand-up, and uh, Frank Woodley often will do some impersonations, he ends up looking like the Thunderbirds, and he'll go on to a bit of a rant, like, oh, I look like one of the Thunderbirds. Um, if people could see me doing it, I'm doing the arm things. Just for, Matt, Matt can see that right now. He's loving it. Rob did it better. Yeah, Rob did it better, let's be honest. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a nice little little moment there from Rob. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a big snake. There's bees around the water. And then we get our challenge mail, which is a starfish. We have Sophie and Jane reading it. And over to you, Mr. Challenge Reader. I'm sure you've got it verbatim there to read for us. It's my job, Ben. You, you know I take this shit seriously. But, uh, okay, challenge mail. It's Jane and Sophie, and it's Jane that ends up reading it. If it's contact with loved ones you do crave, then to win this challenge, you don't have to be brave. Attention to detail and a bit of class. Through the eye of the needle, you have to pass. The, ro- the reward is magic and one you have to snare to win webcam time with those who care. Now, I'm very disappointed there was no, not a lot more references to Intel, our good friends at Intel, because we're going to see this computer very soon. But yes, basically, they've got a reward here and you're going to win 15 minutes webcam time with your loved one. Now, I mean, this this was a big thing in 2002, 2001, to be able to webcam with someone. I mean, it was fairly newish technology in your home. It it, it was pretty fancy back then. Uh, Australian Outback Survivor uh, US had done it just in their season that had aired not long before this season had filmed. So, I mean, this was like peak technology. It's all well and good right now to pick up your phone and do FaceTime. But, I mean, you know, as we're going to see with the size of that web camera, um, they needed to be able to (laughs) get some signal. But I don't mind this challenge. I mean, it's a little bit of an improvement, a massive improvement from our last challenge that we had. Um, But it's essentially they've got a a rope. They've got a bunch of obstacles on this rope. They've got five life-preserve rings that they have to get from one end to the other. And, I mean, this is kind of just like a, a classic survivor sort of obstacle course challenge. This, this is one thing I will say. 
I'm not a fan of every single challenge having a puzzle at the end of it. Now, if this was modern day Survivor, those life preserve rings would have to be made into a puzzle. Like, okay, it's the great equalizer. I understand it. But at the same time, like, I like this. I like just a genuine sprint from start to finish. And we have so many different strategies, like Shona, one at a time. Rob and Joel go for five at a time. I think Katie and some of the others are going for a couple at a time. And at the end, it's the five at a time that wins because Joel wins this one. He gets it from start to finish, all five. Rob just behind him. And Mr. Excitement himself, Joel, Mr. Exuberant, second challenge in a row. He's going off. He is pumped up. He is happy, Matthew Dyson. Yeah, you're right. I think it was always the strategy that was always going to win was all five at a time. And and I did notice that it was only uh, Rob and Joel that um, used that strategy. And Rob wasn't too far behind either. So Rob was close, but but Joel ends up uh, winning, which which leads to later on he gets the reward of that um, video link up, which is a bit of a weird sort of. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, it's uh, and of course the consolation prize is the fifteen minutes SMS text um, for the rest of. So yeah, I agree. I think I, I enjoy the challenge. Um, and I don't mind uh, the reward. I think, you know, 15 minutes um, of of some webcam time back then would have been a huge deal. So I think all in all, it was a good challenge. But are you critical on the fact that you still get the 15 minutes of SMS time? Like, do you think that's similar in your vein where you've been mentioning that kind of you still get a reward even if you don't win? T- to be honest, I don't, I don't think I mind because this one, I'll, I'll, I'll do the exception because normally in a season... You'd have loved ones coming out. Um, you know, obviously, once again, to save money, they didn't want to, not that they were having to bring in people internationally, but, um, you know, just down to Port Lincoln, maybe those extra flights from Adelaide to Port Lincoln were a little bit expensive. So uh, they chose to do the SMS or the webcam. To be honest, Ben, I don't, mind, I don't mind this. When it comes to food and other things, like, I don't want them to share it or they only share it with one. But when it comes to, like, a loved one visit or a letter... From home, I th- I don't mind that getting shared. I also think too, like you, you, good point you make about how the loved ones you kind of get a hug or something like that too. But um, I think particularly in Australian Survivor, we get a lot of these letters now. Like they seem to always uh, just drop a letter every now and then. And I think also too that um, you know, I think on from memory in Australian Outback that they got like a, a minute each, uh, like hello on a webcam or something like that. But like also back then too, they used to do the videotapes, remember? And then they would each get to watch like 60 seconds of their video and the winner would get a watch the full video and sit there with popcorn and, and Coke and stuff. Yeah, because um, what was it in the first season? Was it Jenna? She, she was the it. one that never... Yep. Yeah, she never got it. The, the family never sent one back in, so she was the only... What what season in America did they actually start bringing out loved ones actually to uh, the They island? did on Borneo. Well, not, well Borneo, they had... Um, Sean's dad was on the boat, that he won a reward on the boat. Uh, Australian Outback, they, Colby's mum was there. I don't think we had any in Africa, did we? I don't think we do. Out no, to the didn't. island itself, I want to say I could... Marquesas, but if it wasn't Marquesas, it definitely was Thailand because the loved ones had to do the gross food eating challenge reward. But I I could be mistaken that there was more on Marquesas. But, they, I mean, they have been doing it from Borneo because, yeah, like when Sean won the reward at Final Five, his dad was on the boat. And having just read Mark Burnett's book recently, they did have all the loved ones actually from that Final Five fly out there basically uh, ready to go. But it was ultimately Sean who won that reward. 
whenever I think of the the video link ups, I always remember that season five when uh, when Brian Heideck had the, the the video from his or at the time wife Cece. and. Uh, yeah, and she's like, oh, the house is so messy. And he looks at the rest and he goes, well, clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> clean it up there. And he started <laughs> and he getting worried. worried, yeah, because basically he start- he, she was like implying they were rich or something like that. And he's like, oh, I don't want them to know that I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. But yeah, but no, look, back to this. Yeah, I, I don't. I actually think it's good. I think the fact that the winner gets a video link up and the others get, you know, a Nokia, was it 3310 phone? 3310 or 15. To, to sit one of there and text. Yeah, so um, for, for a bit of text, and I, I like it. Now, Sophie, after having a couple of strong episodes, she kind of uh, falls back into the background a little bit here. She has a, a little bit of a sad moment, though, with um, the fact that she's happy for Joel, but ultimately she wanted to, to win it because I think it was one of her kids' birthdays or something like that. She's got a nanny, though, remember? Remember that uh, grumpy old nanny from a few <laughs> weeks ago? Like, surely she's, you know, doing something there. But we, we then get a little bit more of Joel, you know, wondering... He finally... He finally works out there's an alliance, Ben. Yep. Now again. Finally. Craig's throwing the toys at the TV. I wonder if Lance watched this episode and goes, no, I don't believe it. Still, nah, don't don't think so. Don't don't think so. Um, But this is where we all get another. I always forget there's a second one, sort of like a a bit of one of these awkward little strings of confessionals that doesn't really hold up well today. Um, Particularly... With a line where Shona drops a line of Shona is concerned about Joel's mental health. He's got a problem. Um, and then even Rob here is sort of mentioning that he's getting a little bit loopy. And again, we said this two weeks ago in our last recap that I don't like bringing this up. I like to separate this game from real life. But I mean, this is one of those moments where it is hard to kind of watch. It is a little bit uncomfortable to kind of hear these words say. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to dwell too much on it. I, I don't think there's a whole much, lot to add. If you've got anything to add, feel free to interrupt me here. But, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I mean, it is an interesting insight to see how Joel was doing under pressure in a game where he's 31 days in, you know, sleep-deprived, you know, n- not eating much food. It, it was clearly getting to him. And, and you're right, Rob and Shona... Um, were quite worried about him at that stage. So, look, I'm not going to say too much more on it. I think it's, it is hard to watch now when you know what happens in the future. Um, and I think, especially Shona, she was definitely concerned about um, Joel at that time. I also want to say, too, this is another thing that makes me realise how good of a player Shona was. Joel has finally worked out there's an alliance, but he thinks it's Katie, Rob, Sophie and Jane he still has no idea, still has no idea that Shona is one of the main puppet masters here because Shona, you can see in this episode, she's talking to Joel a lot. She's acting dumb about, oh, yeah, I can't believe it. Lamb's gone, blah, blah. She was, she's in on it. Yeah. But, but so that to me just shows the greatness of Shona Brown. Yeah, no, no, completely agree. And, and it is interesting. There's there's a really fascinating moment later on when, with this big deal where kind of, Shona's involved and there's just this really intriguing little conversation that the way they kind of lay it down to Joel, which I'll get to later. But, yeah, you're right. Like, kind of, I mean, good on Joel for finally catching on a little bit. But at the same time, it's like, well, you're nearly there. Um, so it's kind of, I mean, it's going to be fascinating, I think, to kind of hear from Jane. Because, like, you never really hear Jane's thoughts. Like, I don't think once in this entire season do we ever hear Jane talking about this Alliance. It's it's fascinating to think that. 
It, it is. And uh, whether she had an inkling that was going on, but I, I don't know if she does. I think if she did, they would have shown some of the footage. Um, we clearly see that Lance didn't know. We know Joel didn't know. 31 days, is that the longest that an alliance... Because let's be honest, the, the Shona-Rob alliance started on day one. We know that. 31 days until it was fully exposed to the to well, well to the majority of, of the tribe mates. That's a pretty long alliance to go under the radar. Australian Survivor, absolutely. I can't think of any in the Channel 10 that went completely unnoticed the whole way. Well, that and I guess the difficulty thing with modern Australian Survivor is that 31 days is not near the end, is it? You're kind of just over the halfway point, um, yeah. but. You're not even hit. Uh, you're not even hit merge yet. Yeah, exactly. Whereas US Survivor, I mean, Tina and Colby did kind of keep their closeness very hidden for a very long time. Some would argue the whole game. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realise how close those two actually were. Uh, so, I mean, that that's off the top of my head. If I really went through each season by season, I could probably think of some more. But that's the one that jumps to me. Would you say that the Tina Colby alliance? is very similar to Robin Shona, or do you think they're completely different? Absolutely, yeah. but the, the difference is is that um, uh, Rob wears the pants in this one and Tina wears the pants in Australian Outback. No matter what you say about Colby, and I'm not taking away from Colby's game at all because, let's be honest, Tina and Colby were far more balanced than Shona and Rob, and I'm not taking away from Shona because I think Shona needs more credit than she ultimately ever gets, so much more credit. But I think on paper that... And we saw it. It was a one-vote difference between Colby and Tina, whereas with Shona and Rob, yeah, it was 5-2. But I also I feel that, realistically, Rob was always going to win that, whereas, yeah. I mean, great comparison, though. I would definitely say that that's, you know... And I mean, clearly, at this point in Survivor history, we'd only had two seasons. So, sure. absolutely, this is the closest dynamic you get because Hatch didn't really have a, a one-two, except with Rudy... And kind of, you know, he's never going to take Rudy to the end because he knows Rudy's going to going to win that first season. Now, Ben, we also see the first lot of singing from from Joel's episode, singing a bit of Powderfinger, My Happiness. So, I don't know, are you going to uh, take it away and sing again or what? I don't know. Look, I've got a confession to make, Matthew Dyson, um, and I'm glad I don't live in Australia anymore because this might get me kicked out of the country. I am not a Powderfinger fan. I think they are maybe one of the most overrated bands Australia has ever produced. But I will say the only song of theirs I do like is My Happiness. So uh, I I am happy to give this a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a plug. I mean, I, I don't know. Are you feeling a little bit brave this week? Do you want to put on the singing voice for once? Look, you- but I don't mind a bit of Powderfinger. He, he's a, he's a he's a brizzy boy, um, Bernard Fanning, and uh, yeah, it's um, look. I think I'll hang off. Look, no, no. I, I'm, but I'm not. Powderfinger's not on the top of my list. So uh, I thought maybe you might uh, might want to get your pipes out again. I've Slowly I've had some people commenting back. about. Uh, <laughs> I've had some people commenting that you're not a bad singer. But who uh, who are no, these people? How drunk are they? What's wrong with them? <laughs> I actually got a message from uh, Naomi saying that uh, <laughs> she she was surprised that you had a good set of pipes on you. How here, much so. are you paying her to say these things? <laughs> I don't believe this message. Naomi, what are you doing? No, no. No, she probably listens uh. to Powderfinger and probably thinks that's good music. So that's probably why she thinks I'm good music. I don't know. Like uh, Naomi, come on, you're a Carlton supporter. You've got good taste. 
Um, <laughs> but no, it's yeah, a bit of bit of bit of singing here. Powderfinger, why not? Um, there you go. Um, we also get a little bit of a, a line here from Rob about Katie falling apart, which uh, a little bit interesting there. Uh, kind of just a maybe a subtle little tease for what we're going to get in a, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Shona, what do you know? What Shona is building here? She's got some rope thing. I don't know if you really saw this or paid attention to it, but like Shona's playing with ropes and putting it in some hot. I don't know what she's doing. No, I I was hoping you knew. I, I don't know. Where- don't know either. Yeah, no, I'm too focused on the singing apparently. But um, I do. This is where we get sort of Shona whole little moment about Jane and the rice. And I love the way this confessional starts off. The way Shona's like, Jane, Jane, Jane. And then we get sort of just her essentially saying that Jane's come up to her and said, "Hey, I want to cook some rice." And then she asked me how to do it. And this leads into, I guess, this whole section about these kids not doing things like Joel and like Rob's having a bit of a complaint about it as well. Um, There's this great little sequence here with Shona where she's got like this, this head tilt, this almost like, huh? Like, like what the hell are you talking? How do you not know? And I want to give a special shout out to one of our listeners, uh, simply known as Nick at idle thoughts on Twitter. He or she, they have a gif of Shona doing this head tilt. And I think they've got, like, the subtitle, subtitle saying, like, how do or something like that. Or it's, it's hilarious. But, like, this head tilt, Matt, this is brilliant. This is GIF written all over it. it this is officially my second favourite Shona confessional. I love it. I love that the fact it leads in from just before that. Yeah, Rob's talking about how he's sick of the campfire talk about the warm showers, people having dooners, and then, of course... Um, he says, and then Jane comes in with chocolate brownie talk, and then that then leads into this confessional, which I love. I've written it down, Ben. I'm going to try to have a crack at it. Give me a Shona and impersonation. Just, Give me your Shona oh, voice. I, I I can't do a Shona voice, but you, you almost need to see it because you, the fact, the expression she uses, the head tilt, the the eyes on her, it's just it's classic, brilliant Shona at her best. But she says. Jane, Jane, Jane announced last night she was going to cook the rice and Shona has a big smile on her face. She turned around to me and said, how do you do it? Now, here's a girl that thinks about food constantly, talks about food constantly, exchanges recipes. She's been here 30 fucking days and asked me how to boil rice. Like, it's just, I can't do it justice at all, but it's just Shona's, Oh, it's her brilliance. Yeah. And it's, it's, I agree with you. And it's like not even like just the head tilt because then later in kind of the string of this section where you see her then going off at Joel basically because Joel and the fire. <laughs> and like we, we talk so much about Rob's kind of like he, he looks in the camera and rolls his eyes or he kind of does a shoulder, you know, shrug and he's playing to the camera. If you actually watch Shona here, the way she's blowing into the fire and Joel's leaning in, Shona is like basically like shaking her head. She looks in the camera. She's almost like, oh, like what the hell? And she gets up and kind of just so frustrated and just walks off as if to say like, what the fuck? It's the best way to describe it would be pure disgust. In this episode, she's disgusted with these young 20-year-olds not knowing how to make the fire, boil rice. And because and I've said this before, Shona's a 49-year-old lady that has done so much in her life and she's got these, you know, what she refers to basically as young kids thinking, you know, like if they're 30-odd days into the show 
and they still don't know how to keep a fire going or to boil, as she says, 30, 30 fucking days and ask me how to boil rice. Great line. Because we don't really hear Shona swear much, but no. just this obviously, this angers her. And this is another reason why I, I, I love old school Survivor because it is so rare that we ever get contestants of a certain age going to a certain point. And when they do, they're they're considered like a, a goat, like being dragged along or this, that, and everything else. I mean, okay, Shane Gould's an exception there, but Shane Gould never controlled the game, you would say. Like, Shane Gould got very lucky. And I'm not trying to, again, take away from her win. She won the game. She was the best player that season because she walked away with half a million dollars. But not to the extent of what you've got Shona doing here and things like that. Like, like Rob and Shona are controlling this game. And I think this episode is is the lock. This is kind of like your, your sealed, signed, and delivered episode of this is what the final two, and this is why they're going to be the final two. And again, compare this to where we're at with US Survivor. We'd had Borneo. Where, I mean, who gets to the end? Everyone who gets to that final four is over the age of 40, except for Kelly Wigglesworth. I think Richard Hatt, which was Richard, if he, Richard Hatt wasn't over 40, he was in his late 30s. So, like, I mean, they're of a certain age. Australian Outback, you know, Keith, Tina, they get to the end, essentially. You know, Roger Bingham got to the end. Of, of the final five, like three of them, over 40. And here we are, Australian Survivor, and who gets to the end? Rob and Shona. You would never get this anymore. The, the closest off the top of my head that we've had to this was Philippines with Scoop and Denise and Lisa Welchel. And it's just, you're not going to get that anymore. And this is what I love when you've kind of got a level playing field because, okay, you want any excuse to vote someone else. We've, we've gone over that a lot this season about the first three Kadena people that went off. But, like, I just, I, I love it when you have a diversity of ages and people and collections. And, a lot of people will talk about this season being no, not diverse. We didn't have, you know, any people of colour. You know, we just had a whole white things. But diversity to me is not just your skin colour. Diversity is age. Diversity is your background. It's, it's things like this. And this is one of those diversity things to me which works so well in this season because look at our final six. You know, we've got two older people. We've got young kids. We've got an 18-year-old. Like, I mean, it's just it's such a great collection of, of people. And I think it was so important that Shona did get to the end and do so well in this game because we did lose the three older Kadena members right at the start. You know, it would have been a shame for the last, you know, six or seven people in this game all in their 20s, um, you know, because they weren't really playing the game like a Rob and Shona. They've got more wisdom. You know, they, they were making moves right from the start. So you're right. It, it, it's a great duo and one I love. And you're talking about Rob getting to the end, I think, this next confessional explains to people if anyone's ever questioning how good Rob really was, I think this confessional, which starts off on day 32, um, really explains how he was thinking about the game and how he got himself to the end. He says that he loves waking up in the early mornings. He sneaks off. He has time to himself. And this is a part I love. He says he can reflect on what happened the day before and anticipate what might happen the following day. That is brilliant. He gets away to clear his head just to have some – so he's thinking – he's not just ducking off so he can sunbake or just chill out. He ducks off, he writes in his journal, and he's thinking constantly about the game. What what just happened? How is that going to affect me going forward? Okay, now, because of that, what's going to happen in the future? It's brilliant. Absolutely, 100%. And this is one of those confessionals that I would love to – point out to to anybody out there 
who would say, you know, Rob had an easy win. He had a pagonging. He just went from start to finish, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you look at the level of things that Rob is doing here, that he's still doing this. As you said, he's getting up in the morning. He's analyzing what happened the day before and going to this sort of stuff. Again, there are so many ways to win Survivor. There are so many ways that you can do it. But, like, this is one of those, like, mastery moments where I think Rob is just ticking all those boxes. This is why him and David, Jeanette, now are, like, the to me, the only two in the conversation of who the greatest Australian Survivor player is of all time because they've got so many elements to their game which kind of is constantly flowing. It's constantly, you know, adapting to this. And for those who say that Season 1 was an easier game to win because you didn't have as many hurdles... There may be an argument in that, but I would also argue that you still have to adapt to the situation. Rob's alliance is now exposed. He's still going to have to adapt this. He's going to have it even more exposed at the end of this episode. He has to control everything, basically, from here moving forward. So, like, he's still having to adapt. Okay, he's got numbers on his side. That's an advantage. David had two idols at one point. That's an advantage. So, you know, you've got an advantage in modern Survivor versus an advantage in older Survivor. What's more powerful? Does it really matter? An advantage is an advantage, isn't it? Can you imagine, you know, in, in a better world where, where Rob was still alive and uh, All-Stars included Channel 9 players, could you imagine Rob Dixon going head-to-head with David Jeanette, the Golden God, I can't see them working together. There's no way Rob Dixon would allow the Golden God to get away with what he's doing. It would be – one of their heads would be gone early on. If they crossed paths early on, it would be one or the other. I can't see that they would have worked together. And I honestly think maybe – look, and you're right. I don't know which one's better. They are both great players, both great winners. But I think Dave is lucky that, that Rob Dixon wasn't involved in All-Stars because I'm telling you now, I think, yeah, he got lucky because I don't know if Rob Dixon would have allowed him to get to the end. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't see them working at all. I mean, numerous examples in US Survivor of, of winners that on paper would be fantastic to see work together, but they're never going to work together. I mean, we're seeing that in Winners at War at the time of recording this, other All-Star seasons. But I think it's interesting you mentioned about how had, you know, Rob being with us still, stars aligned a little bit differently had they allowed them on to All-Stars. Rob actually says here that he will never do this again. Now, of course, this was at a time when returning player seasons were never even talked about, I'm I'm sure, in Survivor. I mean, we're, you know, 18 months basically into the history of Survivor's popularity. But it, it would have been fascinating to think that had that ever opportunity, that opportunity ever come up, um would that happen? I mean, gosh, Boston Rob said he would never do it again. Poverty never said she, he would, she would do it again. Sandra never says she'll do it again now. Like, I mean, there's all these things going on out there where it's basically like, oh, I'm never going to do it again. And, and they ultimately do. But yeah, I mean, it, it would I perfect world. Of course, this would have been ultimate, ultimate Australian survivor, fangasm, all-stars, Rob versus versus David, you know, Katie versus, you know, Phoebe and, you know, things like that. Like these players that you want to see battle it out against each other would would have been the ultimate. Craig, you know, against anyone. Look, I, I know he said he wouldn't play again and, and I never got the honour to, to meet the man. But um, so, I, so I, I don't know him or I didn't know him, but um, I would find it hard to believe that he wouldn't have come back. Um, down the track for an All Stars, I think he, you know, he, he's that good at the game and, and that much of a competitor. He w- he would have loved the challenge, and and I think um, you're right. A lot of people say they wouldn't have come back, and 
unfortunately, we, 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 are, we will never get to see him play again. But um, we can sit back here and, and think about what could have been. And um, that, that battle against David and Rob, I mean, that would oh, that would be brilliant. We, we've got a bit of a plan sort of once we're finished uh, covering this season and kind of have a bit of a, a gap before we get straight into season two. It's sort of a, you know, a, a bit of a bracket where we're going to kind of, you know, get a bit of fan interaction. Let's vote for the best player of all time. And, and Matt and I are very aware that there's going to be no chance that any of these players in this season are going to make it really far at all because... Again, we, we are aware that the majority of Australian Survivor fans don't acknowledge this season, don't acknowledge season two, and that's fine. And and on paper, we can say right now who we assume is going to win. But if we were to have the time, come up with a fair ranking system where we were able to, you know, kind of incorporate weighted results, it would be very fascinating. And, and we do plan on this show to incorporate an Australian Survivor Hall of Fame at some point. And that is going to be probably more so weighted on, I think, a jury vote rather than a public vote, just because I think that a Hall of Fame is a little bit different. Because it's this is no disrespect to any Australian Survivor fans out there, but like a popular vote, you're going to have people that, in all seriousness, are not going to be put in the Hall of Fame. I mean, think about a... A rugby league, the, the, the Rugby League Hall of Fame. If you were to have it today, Matt, you're going to have who, what, when, when, and blah, you know, all these players in the that are just popular in the NRL, yeah. not who, I guess, have a have a legacy to be put in there. So there's it's 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 interesting to kind of think about that side of things. But again, in that perfect world, if Rob had been on this season, been alive, then Australian Survivor fans are going to be thinking about season one differently. And the older a season gets, the less people think about those players. They're thinking about more current players and their moves, what they did. So it is always harder for old players that played 19, 20 years ago to get that same recognition and credit for their gameplay for someone that's played 20 years later in a flat, more flashy version. 100%. Um, now, we're going to get to this reward. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a little bit here. Sophie mentions that Joel's a little bit weird at the moment. Uh, we kind of get a nice little... Shot of some seals swimming in the water there, Matt. Always nice to see some, uh, you know, of the animals there. We, we know the cameraman had some uh, bets going on there who can get some fancy shots there. So, um, yep, I'm sure they won the, uh, I don't know, the can of solo that week or something like that. Um, there was actually a shot uh, around the camp earlier on where uh, Shona was drinking a can of solo. I can't remember what scene it was, but I did note it down. So they obviously kept some around. So there you go. The, the solo was uh, hanging around. But we have our reward. Uh with thanks to our good friends at Intel and Telstra, where you can get coverage everywhere else, they didn't really drop it as much there. But uh, they get handed the. Is third... it our good? Is it our good friends at Nokia as well? I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. In the early two thousands, the Nokia was the phone to have. It was the iPhone of the early two thousands. If you didn't have a Nokia, you're a loser, right? Well, I like when Lincoln's handing them handing them out to the the five contestants that that didn't win. And he says, Lincoln says, oh, I've got five phones, courtesy of Telstra, for the next 15 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not just a bang 15, it's 15 minutes or so. So have them for 20, we won't say anything. I, it's, it's funny, actually, you mentioned, like, not thanks to our good friends at Nokia, because I'm surprised here as well, Joel at the computer. I mean, where's the Doritos and the Pepsi plug? He's got a big thing of Doritos and Pepsi's, like, smack bang in front of the camera. H- how good is it they've got... <laughs> how good is it the product placement? They've got the empty pack of Doritos... And you can see in the wind that's like flying around. They've got it looks like a rock or like a shell that's holding it down. It looks like they must have the Doritos in the shell. But you, you just see the Dorito packet. It, it's 
you know, obviously they need to weigh it down because it's going to fly off, but it's this perfect position so you can see the Doritos and then you've got the, the big can of Pepsi on, on the other side. When they do the other camera angle, you see the big Pepsi can. Oh, they're not shy of trying to do some product placement in, in, in this whole season. And they're not shy of getting the biggest fucking webcam in the history of fucking webcams. What, what the hell is this thing, Matthew Dyson? <laughs> I, when I saw that, I paused it. I mean... I swear they could shoot a Bollywood movie on that thing. It's how bloody big it is. I I don't recall ever seeing a webcam that size. What the fuck was going on? I'm pretty sure that's what landed on the moon. I'm pretty sure that's what Kathy Freeman lit at the Sydney Olympic opening ceremony a year and a bit beforehand. I mean, I, I think my first car was that size. I mean, my oh. Lord, that was... How does that even sit on that screen? Our good friends at Intel build a bloody strong monitor if they can hold that fucking damn thing on top of it. No, well, it looked like it wasn't on the monitor. It was sort of sitting back. They had, I think they had to assemble a whole bloody scaffolding site just to put the damn thing on. That's how big it was. That's where the budget went. That's why, you know, in the episode beforehand, they'll tell them to freaking weigh themselves. They spent it all on this bloody thing that landed them on the moon. The thing is, too, when you actually see the monitor, there's, like, squiggly lines all across Claudia's face, and, like, you've got an Intel logo on one side, you've got a Telstra logo on the other. It's, like, freaking... They've got bad reception on the biggest webcam in the world. What a waste of money. I know, I know. And, uh... It's an interesting web chat, isn't it? There's a lot of bub bub talk. They're calling each other bub and babe and all sort of sort of the how good Joel's looking. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting sort of little uh, little sort of couple of minutes. And to clarify for those who are maybe thinking about this as again being a bit awkward and this maybe you know leading to something, this girl that Joel is talking to is not the one that was involved in the incident after the show. So uh, I always thought it was, but then uh, no, it isn't. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it is an interesting chat. I mean, I think this just shows Joel. He's he's obviously a very caring, emotional guy, loves it, and, like, really sort of gets, uh, you know, breaks down here. And it's actually funny, kind of a tidbit. And we, we can talk a little bit about this more in a few weeks when we get to the finale, when we get to the Surviving Survivor special. But he actually was going to propose to Claudia at this point because he admits that sort of in the Surviving Survivor special, which would have been in parallel to, to Keith Thamey, uh, you know, proposing peas and carrots in Australian Survivor <laughs> Outback. But uh, I do I do like that little bit where, where Claudia's like, Oh, so how much are you missing your family? And it's like, oh, yeah, a lot. Well, I've got a surprise for you. And, like, all these family, like, come in and sit down. They're, they're like, at a, you know, the, the meeting room at Channel 9 in Sydney or something like that. And then I love the way Claudia's like, it's your family, Joel. I, I'm just like, <laughs> thanks, Claudia. Like, I'm glad you're there to paint the picture, Captain Obvious. <laughs> I would have been. I would have laughed. If they walked in and Joel looks at us. Who are these the fuck people? Are they? Never, seen these, never seen these people in in my life. And you find out they're just like Channel Nine yeah. bloody extras. You know? it's, it's a canteen woman. It's the cleaning man. It's just you know. It's like oh, Joel. It's your family. This is your favorite brother. What's your name? John. This is John. Oh, hello, John. I love you. Um, I like. I like when all this is going on. They 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 shoot back to the other five contestants contestants on their mobile phone, and they're trying to work out this bloody Nokia. Sophie doesn't have a clue how yeah. to use it. She's this she's is you. You don't Katie, know how to use Katie technology. Trying to give her advice about about. Oh, you've got to go back on the other screen to send a message. You see. 
Shona there, she's doing the one finger text message. You know, not like these days, everyone's just bang, 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 bang. You can get a, she's doing the one finger finger text on the old Nokia. It, oh, it, it reminds you how, you know, how technology was back then and, and how far it's come to today. There's, so, there's, there's no, hey, Siri, you send me a text or something like that, is there? Like, oh, you know, stuff no. like that. But uh, got to say, I love the Nokia phones. Like, come on, they were great. I mean, that was a phone that you wouldn't have to charge for six months. You could you could throw it under your car or probably a webcam in this instance and it would crush it and it would be fine. It would work perfectly. I mean, these things were built. The Finns know how to make a good phone. And it was the first phone I ever had. And I remember seeing a funny meme recently and because uh, they, they brought those phones back out. It's like a retro sort of phone and um, you can actually buy them now. Um, but someone actually posted a photo with like one of those leather cases for it, the covers, yep. and said, oh, you remember people actually had a cover for these things? Like, because let's be honest, you didn't need a freaking cover for the old Nokia. But some people took it seriously. They had the whole case for it and... Um, I don't know, Ben. You you may have had one of them. I don't know. I didn't, I, but, so. I had a thirty three ten. I don't know. I think um, thirty three ten had the, the straight arrows. The thirty three fifteens kind of had the curved little arrows. So I don't know if I was paying enough attention in this episode to see if they were curved or straight. But yeah, uh, it, it. I did, Ben. I did, and it was the thirty three ten. The thirty three ten. Okay, yeah. No, that was a good phone. Um, actually, one of the best phones I've ever had. I think was the N ninety five or something like that. that. Was when they had the slider phones. And um, that was a great phone. That was the last phone I ever had before I went touchscreen. And that was a good bloody phone. Just while we're the funny story while we're off topic, I'm my brother had an old hand me down flip phone from a mate. Remember the old flip phones? Love flip phones. Yeah, and uh, back then it was like a big thing if you had a flip phone. So anyway, my mate, uh, my brother's mate, had this flip phone. Ended up at right, you know, after having it for years, gave it to my brother. Who my brother's not. He doesn't give a shit about technology at all. He used that flip phone for so long. He only got rid of it like a, like I'm talking about three, four years ago, not very long ago in the scheme of things. And he he took it in to, to a mobile shop and and was trying to get a new phone. He pulled out the old flip phone. <laughs> The guy actually, he when he saw it, he laughed in my brother's face. He couldn't believe my brother still had this old flip phone. It was just a funny story because he actually got, he laughed in his face when he saw it. But, now, uh, now, Matt, now, Matt, oh. Matt, come on now, mate. Like, you did a meet a few weeks ago that you weren't that good at technology. You're talking about yourself, aren't you? <laughs> no, look, I'm not good. My brother's worse. So right. He's, he's much worse. Okay. Just, he's, just... he's a little older than me, so. Needed to check there. Um, but we, we basically are right into the immunity challenge here, aren't we? Kind of, they had this, and, and, and a fun little thing that I actually picked up on this episode, and it's a real little subtle moment. Uh, we've talked a lot about how kind of they film this in, uh, order. Like, basically, they wouldn't, you know, switch scenes around here or there. This is a moment where they actually have switched things around, because when you go to Tribal Council, you hear Joel mention the reward that he had today. So they, I'm not saying that the immunity challenge was before uh, on the same day, but I'm thinking the immunity challenge was actually the day before and then they had the reward the day of tribal council because it's just a subtle little throwaway line by Joel. So it's interesting. Like it's kind of, they've obviously clearly edited it and shifted it around to see that the reward comes. Because I mean, again, that wouldn't have made sense to show the reward after the immunity challenge. But I don't know if you picked up on that, but I found that quite fascinating. I actually didn't pick up on it, but you're right. I think I think they were learning as they were going as well, and and you don't know trying to get Joel's family all together might have been an issue. Maybe they were wanting to do it the day before and they couldn't. Um, 
or maybe the extras they use weren't available. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so no, you actually didn't pick up on that. So it's a good little spot there. Now uh, we get our challenge mail, Robin Shona, and they've got a little boat, Matt. Uh, what, what's written on this boat? I, I love when they're written on things. And, and we ha- we've seen the one with the shell that uh, we know Craig still owns now. And uh, But yeah, there's uh, so there's a little boat and it's written on both sides of the boat. So I'll read it. Today you may decide to sink or swim. There can only be one in the end who will win. Balance and poise will come into play. If you're good at it, it could be a long day. Straight and upright you'll have to be to win the all-important immunity. Now, I'm a fan of this immunity challenge. Now, it's it's interesting because you get sick of you know endurance challenges. We've talked a lot about this on this show and other shows that I've been involved in. Every challenge in Survivor today is an endurance challenge after the merge. But this is one where... Again, it just tests you. Like I, I like these ones where it's literally just stand still on a platform, like hold on to a pole. Like it doesn't have to be like you're pressing your arms against a stick to hold a plate and just like things like that. Like this is just a classic, nice and simple challenge. I bagged out the one in the last episode that it was just cheap and tacky and crap. This is a challenge that you just need something on the water. It's cheap, it's easy, it's simple. And it's great because this is when you get the temptation involved in it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But, like, you get, you know, freaking, like, rapping going on here. And the strategic nature of Robert play here, it's it's brilliant. Because, like, clearly, as we're going to hear from him soon in one of the confessionals of the season when he's talking about manipulating 22-year-olds, Rob is essentially like, hey, I know how to get Joel off this thing. He loves to rap. And then Rob being Rob doesn't even, you know, oh, give me one of those iced tea wraps. Like, it's not even like <laughs> a bit of vanilla ice or anything like that. He reminds you of freaking Pretty Fly for a White Guy where it's like, you know, I wanted, what is it? Like, I wanted ice cube, but he bought me vanilla ice or whatever that line is in that song. So, Matt, I'm, I'm hoping, like, you think I'm a good singer. And Naomi, thank you. How's your rapping, Matthew Dyson, how how are you feeling your inner vanilla ice right now to give us a bit of uh, a bit of Joel Dizzle? Well, <laughs> I, I've got to admit, uh, I, I'm not a good singer, but I have always, uh, you know, thought that uh, in maybe a, a different life, I I could have been a MC white Dyson rapper. Oh, <laughs> what was that? MC Dyson. Is this what you're trying to say? MC... Are we going to get some well... MC Dyson? Do we do we need to do this here right now? We, well, you're not going to get some iced tea, uh, as Rob was saying, but you will get some vanilla ice. So, uh, Ben, hit the music. Oh, all right. Hang on. We're doing this. All right. Dropping, dropping some beats. Uh-oh. Yo, VIP, let's kick it. <laughs> all right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ass is back with a brand new invention. Stop then. Grab a hold of me tightly. Fold like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal. Light the stage and watch a chump like a candle. Dance. Garage the speaker like booms. I'm killing the brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. I play dope with a melody. Anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better fill the fools out. The kids don't play. If it was a problem, yo, I solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Wow. Matthew Dyson. MC Dyson. Wow. Was I... So I, I couldn't let Joel be the only one wrapping vanilla ice. So this was my chance, Ben, this season to uh, 
sing a song and it was the only it's the only song that I could uh, quit your could job do. you don't need to be a cop you need to go out there and get yourself a, a recording contract my lord that was incredible and, and it was at that stage I fell off the pontoon yeah. no no the bit where you're falling off the pontoon is like make me so horny ooh Rumpelstiltskin you know you're gonna do baby got back for that yeah I like big butts and I can not. Yeah, I can't rap, but uh... <laughs> but in all seriousness, it was a, it was a little funny sort of part of the challenge, wasn't it? Rob's brewing. He 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 gets him to sing. Um, they're all st- yeah standing on this pontoon. Um, we see Sophie. She's off first. She goes after forty five minutes, and then uh, yeah, and then Rob says he, he they're bored, and he gets he gets Joel to start rapping, and it just goes on and on. He keeps rapping a bit of Vanilla Ice and all the rest of the stuff, and then in the end, he falls off and. And, um, yeah, and he actually ends up saying to Joel he knew that was going to happen. Which is, which is brilliant. Like, he's actually brilliant because he's he's manipulating them even in this section. It, it is so good to watch. And you've got to remember at this stage, he was going to be the next one out. So for him, for Joel not to win immunity was a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, even actually with the rapping too, I do actually like Katie kind of getting in the background there going, too cold, too cold. Like, underrated well, Katie moment. I'm starting to think I need to do this podcast with Katie because I was waiting for you to come in with some beeps and uh, <laughs> some extra beats yourself, and, and you just you never you let you left me hanging. Give me in excess. Uh, give me Powderfinger. Uh, well, one Powderfinger song. I'm there, but if you you giving me rap, you know I'm not street enough for that. I'm from Hobart. Come on. And Ben, can I just say, and listeners, that's the last time you'll ever hear me rap. So enjoy it while it's uh, while until it Katie comes on the show, and then perhaps we'll have to, uh, you know, uh, get that going there. But uh, of course, we then get into not only that part of the challenge, which is fantastic, but we're building up to this all season because Jane starts to talk about, you know, oh, you know, what will it take for me to, you know, like what what can you bring me? And Lincoln's like, well, what do you want? She's like, oh, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. Now. Any season of Survivor, Jeff Probst is just standing there in his little platform like, oh, Jenna, you know, Heidi, take your clothes off, peanut butter, awesome. You know, I've got this, I've got that. But Lincoln Howells, a man ahead of his time, has his little remote control boat with a packet of Lay's chips attached to it. And you thought Lincoln's been a dick to this point of the season. This is Lincoln with a capital D for dick because here he is basically trolling Jane like bend down, bend down. Nah, you had your chance. And I, I love hearing uh, Rob in the background going, "Ah, you little tease." Uh, it's so great. And then it gets to the shining moment of Lincoln Howe's broadcasting career when Rob Dixon, the smart man that he is, still outwits the host of this show by getting this boat at his feet and picking the whole thing up with the antenna to which we get the greatest light ever from Lincoln House. Give me me boat back! (laughs) (laughs) It it is brilliant. It it is absolutely brilliant. We've been waiting for this episode all season, Ben, and it's it's great. You're right, Rob. He outsmarts Lincoln. He he picks up the antenna from the boat, which gets it out of water. Of course, Lincoln wants his boat back. Um, I love that Jane. She's trying to make all these deals with Lincoln. She doesn't just want one chocolate bar. She's trying. She's trying to get everything that's in his pockets and everything. It, it's oh, but you're right. That that scene with the the give me my boat back. It's um, oh, it's Lincoln. It's Lincoln's best line of the whole season. Now 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 we know that Naomi hates boats, but Lincoln loves boats because clearly he's like give me my boat back. Like 
Just all the time, he just wants his boat back. I'm actually, I we didn't ask Lincoln in the episode, like, how did he, do, is this his boat? Does production just have a boat? Like, who's got a little remote control boat sitting around? Come on, Ben. Stephen Peters told Lincoln when he was, just before he flew down to Port Lincoln, he said, bring two things. Bring your own tape measure for the challenge that Ben loves. We all know that challenge. And bring a remote control boat. So those are the two things he got told to pack. Either that or when you buy that webcam, you get a free boat. And uh, clearly because the webcam was so big, that was actually they thought they were getting like a big, big boat, but the, the webcam was actually bigger. That, that the webcam it was that big. That, they could have just used that as yeah. what they took out to see the blade. It was that bloody big. Um, but you know what? You said that Lincoln that that Rob outsmarted Lincoln, but did he really? Because let's be honest, I think Lincoln outsmarted Rob. Well, he, yeah. he bends down to go put the boat back in the water, and of course touches the pontoon. Uh, Shona's quick to, to to dob on Rob to quickly say, "Hey, his his hands touched," and uh, that's when it was all of a sudden. Um, Rob realises that he, he's out of the challenge. Yeah, yes and no. I think at the end of the day, had Rob been smart enough, he would have just dropped it in the water. Like, I mean, you know, but I mean, again, maybe Lincoln is thinking that, like, hey, you've got to do it that way. So perhaps I don't know. But, yeah, it is kind of um, – it's interesting. Bookmark this memory right now, Matthew Dyson, because next season we are going to have a similar challenge and we're going to have a similar moment where the winner of that season will ultimately get eliminated from this challenge by touching the platform. Difference here is Rob is, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll accept it, fair call. Next season, we are not going to quite get a civil reaction from the person who gets eliminated. Hello, Guy Leach. Uh, not a happy camper in that challenge, Mr. Leach. Oh, That's bullshit. Serious, That's I, bullshit. I can't, yeah, I can't wait until we, we cover that, that, that season and that episode because you're right. He he didn't take that too well, old guy Leach. But um, but yeah, look, it's I, I did like the fact in the, in this one that Shona did quickly yell out to Lincoln that um, oh he's, he's touched it, and because left Sh- and we know in the end Shona ends up winning it. But Shona wanted to win this challenge. But the fact she dobs she dobs on Rob and uh, Lincoln says to Rob, "Your hands touch," and and then Rob looks at Lincoln and says, "Yeah, you know, he, he can't believe it. He goes, am, am I out?" Mm. And Lincoln says, "You're out." And then, he, and then the best line, a great line, can I keep the chips? <laughs> and, of course, Lincoln says, yes, you can keep the chips. So in the end, Rob's like, well, I'm out, but can I keep the Lay's chips? And he's happy. But uh, and, then, and then he points over to Sharon and says, I'm on to you, and uh, kind of laughing. And, and of course, Rob, ended, he's out, and he's lasted an hour and 15 minutes. And let's be honest, if that was Jeff Probst, he had to give those chips back. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Lincoln, you're a nice man, even though you're a bit of a dick sometimes. But yeah, you're right. I do love Jane kind of negotiating here. Like, and, and Lincoln comes out with a box of favorites and some cherry ripes. And she's like, I'll have the favorites and the cherry ripes and the lays. And Lincoln's like, well, there's no chips left. Okay. Well, I'll have the favorites and the cherry ripes. Oh, no, the cherry ripes have a show now. Okay. Well, I'll have the favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Queen Jane's back. <laughs> And I like the fact that Lincoln's like, uh, the cherry ripes are for Shona. Like, everyone should know by this stage, if there's a cherry ripe laying around, it's Shona's. Like, it's not for anyone else. Shona, she loves the she loves a cherry ripe. She would do anything for a cherry ripe. Cherry ripe. And, but, of course, the cherry ripe isn't enough to convince, uh, to convince Shona down. But the pack of favourites is enough to convince Jane. And don't you love Queen the fact Jane. that Jane just doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking, should we have called? Should we have called her Princess Jane? No, because, Queen. She's you know, Queen. 
Queen. Okay, Queen. Oh, okay. Don't queen, take queen away from our episode title the other week. It's Queen Jane. You leave her alone. She's back in my good books again. She was shit earlier this episode, but she's great again. Make Jane like great fact, again. Do you like the fact she didn't just jump up? Lincoln had to come out and then piggyback her? I a thought queen. that was brilliant. A queen ascends yep. to a throne. She has to get carried off by her disciples. And Lincoln oh. is... Blight. Yeah, I do actually like that moment. It's kind of like, it's a nice little Lincoln moment where it's kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll carry you off. Like, I, I want to see, like, you know, Rob doing that. Like, come on, come on, uh, Lincoln, carry me off. <laughs> Make your own way back. <laughs> I do hope that uh, as the years have gone past that um, Jane's got a little bit better with her negotiating skills because, yeah, you're right. In the end, she wanted it all. And Lincoln's like, no, yeah, no chips. <laughs> oh, I'll have, I'll have all the chocolate then. No. Cherry ripes for Shona. That's so funny. All right, I love the, you know, I love the favourite. Like in the end, in the end, she, she got no extra than what Lincoln was actually asking for, you know, to start was offering to start with. Which I hopefully in, it, now that Jane's her negotiating skills got a little better. Hopefully, hopefully we might uh, find that out soon. But at the end, it's Katie versus Shona here. And, uh, yeah, you said before that Shona's not getting down. Katie's not getting down either. I kind of like this little moment where Lincoln's sort of like, you know, You've been up there for a certain amount of time. Long time without a loo break. And Katie's like, well, we've got nothing to get rid of. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I mentioned at the, I mentioned at the top of this episode that it's kind of, it's, it's not a, like, it's kind of a bit of a quiet episode from Katie, but she doesn't have confessionals, but she does have a few little, just little moments, I think, which are kind of cool, like from, from Katie to sort of have. But, uh, yep. In the end, it is, uh, Shona who wins. Katie essentially is about to say, like, I'll step down, but she kind of falls off, really, doesn't she? She does, and I think it's important to mention too, Shona, just before that, Shona says to her that uh, she tells Katie she wants immunity because Lance got voted uh, voted for her and she has a point to prove. So, I mean, Shona knows she's not going home, but she has a point to prove, and you're right, she ultimately wins it. But the fact that Katie, she falls off, she's saying, oh, Shona, I, I want to say something, and then bang, or whatever, and then she falls off, and then she goes, I'm out after, yeah, I'm out. And then, yeah, she's out after three hours and 40 minutes, so... It was a fairly long time uh, to be up on that pontoon. It was a good effort, but uh, Shona, she wanted it, and then she walks off. She she collects the uh, the, the the bell or the the prize off Lincoln, and then says um, that she could have she could have stood there for a week. And and Lincoln knows. I think he said something like, "Yeah, I know you could have." So. Yeah, it was it was a good a good immunity win by Shona, and it was a good challenge all up. And I think I mentioned this maybe previously at some point during this season, but I do, I do appreciate that kind of the, the immunity wins do get spread around. That basically kind of, I mean, every one of our final six here, with the exception of Jane, wins an immunity, don't they? Um, and and I mean Jane. Uh, did she, she won a reward? Didn't she? Yeah, she did. She won a reward. Yeah. So uh, I mean, she still won a challenge. So it's kind of interesting to think that they sort of they share the immunities around a bit in this season. Yeah, Jane won a slingshot That's challenge right. to reward um, where she got the, to eat the scones and uh, hot chocolate and tea. But uh, and, the and I should say that uh, Shona, of course, won the immunity necklace, the shark teeth necklace. The bell was, of course, for the necklace, uh, as they say necklace. in this episode. It's not necklace. They Shona keeps saying, "I want the necklace." Because, like, I love the way she kind of separates it. I want the necklace because. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the, the real meat of this episode is kind of now. And this is very similar in a, some way to the other week when we are talking about Lance's vote out. Because you don't really get a lot about Lance going, do you? In that episode, you don't really get a lot of 
Jane going this episode because it, it ultimately I think it's it's different in this time around though because it's more about who was meant to go home and why they're not going home as opposed to the extra person who's going home. So Joel, once again, there's maybe an alliance going on. Third time this episode that he's kind of thinking about it. Um, we get top five confessional of this season. You, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier on, Matt, when you said that we maybe should have been ranking these or something like that. But um, just, I, I don't know if you've written this verbatim. Stop me if I have. But like Rob essentially comes up and says, I came to win this game. Why else would I be here? And then this kind of leads on to a section where he's saying, I wouldn't be messing with a 22-year-old's head unless I am here to win. He has his like smirk on his face. Uh, and I know later on he kind of drops a bit of a line saying like, you know, oh, I'm probably going to go down as a bit of a bastard for this, but I don't really care. And like, again, to, to go back to my point about people thinking that Rob had an easy win or that Rob was just kind of, you know, vanilla cookie cutter winner. Like these are like evil little lines. He is so very Brian Heideck in this season that this is why I think Rob is just so fantastic. And it's like, this is what you were saying before about, had he come back for All-Stars, had he been alive and had they allowed Season 1 players on, like, this is where someone like a Brian Heidecker winners at war could have gone far because they've got a reputation, but because their season was so long ago and nobody remembers it, they're not going to remember Rob doing this. It's all well and good to say, well, I know David's a bit of a, you know, devious schemer and all this sort of stuff and what he's up to in his confessional because he was on the season before All-Stars. But, like, this is legitimately... Something, you know, would have been 18 years prior hand, but you've got to remember little lines like this from Rob. Like, Rob's a bit of an evil prick, but he's fantastic. And this is what makes, you know, another lay to him so goddamn good. I love this confessional. And, Ben, you know I've written it down. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I was ranting on there. I was waiting for you to stop me, but read it for me, Matthew Dyson. But but I want to say this, this, this is important. This all happens on day 33, and I think it's, it's important to remember that because this is the biggest, or I think one of the biggest days of this whole season because so met so many things change on this day which ultimately gets the people to the end so day 33 massive day but in that rob confessional he says i didn't come out here to be a nice bloke i'm not squeaky clean rob i like having a bit of fun i like scamming a bit i like mucking up that's just me i came out here to win why would i be here doing this away from my wife and little boy and it's you're right it just shows what he's thinking. He doesn't care that he's going to hurt some feelings. He knows that, you know, you've got poor little Jane, 18, she's going to get her feelings hurt, Joel, all that. He doesn't care. He's here to win. He's away from his, you know, his, his boy that's just turned one. He's away from his wife. He's here to win the money. And that's, and, and then back then, that might have been a big deal. People think, oh, you know, you should, that's not the right reason you should be at it. Now, if you're not out, if you're not out playing the game for the money, you're a bloody moron, you know? Um, but so I think for Rob, to say it's a, it's a big confessional and and some people would have had a bit of backlash for him at that time but uh you know I think it's a great way to play and he ends up you know it gets into the end and, and wins the money so he's, it's brilliant it, it absolutely agree it really is brilliant and I mean this I would argue this is maybe the most significant day of the entire game because you know through what Rob is saying there this is essentially Joel he I mean boom clicked so he's uh you know talking with Rob and then he's talking with Shona and then this is where Rob comes clean and is basically like, yep, this is an alliance. And I talked about this subtle little moment before. I absolutely love this little moment when they're walking with Joel and Rob turns to Shona and is basically like, Shona, may I? And then kind of there's oh, like a little, little moment there. Brilliant. Ah, so good. Um, brilliant. And it's just the, the way kind of that happens. And then basically Rob all but admits to this, 
Rob says, like, oh, I've got Katie in that, but I'm not really going to take Katie to the end. And then this all leads to Joel essentially breaking down in front of them, saying that, like, you know, look, I don't want to go home yet. I, you know, I came out here to prove something. I came out to do this. And then that, like, you know, why don't you work with me instead? And then Rob comes up with the, okay, well, we will take you to the end as long as you guarantee to lose that final immunity challenge and let Shona and I go to the end. Now, that is just mind-blowingly amazing. That is incredible strategy. And, okay, there's a bit to dissect there because ultimately you might think, well, who's so dumb that they would fall for that? No disrespect to Joel, but if you're going to make a promise with someone, it's going to be Joel because Rob literally just said, I wouldn't be messing with a 22-year-old's head if I wasn't out here to win the game. So Rob knows he can manipulate the shit out of Joel and probably the only person that would do that. And even, like, you kind of get a line there, is it Shona or Rob says, like, oh, we can't take Katie to the final three because we can't be worried that Katie might win that final immunity challenge. So, like, so many... And even Rob, when he says, like, this is what we've done, and Rob's like, I believe him. And, like, you all the sort of the balancing act here where Shona is the one who's basically saying, like, oh, well, we can go one way or we can go the other... Rob is adamant. He, he knows what he's doing. Rob is like, no, nah, we're taking Joel. Whereas Shona's a bit like, oh, well, we could take Joel, but we could also vote him out and stick with Katie and Sophie. So it's like, it's so fascinating. So amazing. And like, again, if you think this season has no strategy, if this season is boring, watch this episode because this is mind-blowing that this is the move that basically gets Rob Dixon to the end and winning this game. He tells someone, he manipulates a person to give up the final immunity to guarantee his spot at the end with the person he wanted to get there at the end because he knows he can beat her. If that is not genius, nothing is. And what I also think is genius is just just slightly prior to all that, Shona, when Shona and Robin and Joel are just sitting around at the well, near the well, he, Shona actually says a brutal line to Joel, just messing with his head. She says, Joel, the chances of you surviving tonight's vote is less than zero. Yeah, that like, is if that's not putting <laughs> If that's not putting fear into someone, I don't know what is. So she's just openly said to the bloke, Joel, you have zero chance, less than zero chance of being here tomorrow. And then after all that, so they've got this guy in tears. He's in tears. He's he's talking about how he wants to get, you know, when he goes home, he wants to be a strong support people for everyone back home. And he can't do that if he gives up. And, you know, he just wishes there was a way. He's all emotional. Rob walks over, puts, you know, sits right next to him. Shona sits up. They're really comforting him. And then, yeah, and then, then it leads on to all what you just said, how they said, well, yeah, Shona, do you mind? And Shona's like, she gives a blessing, you know. Yep, yep, Rob, go ahead. And then they reveal the whole plan and then bring this genius move to bring Joel into it, a guy that they just told has less than zero chance of being here tomorrow. They're now offering him a lifeline, but we'll offer you that on one condition. You get to the final three, you sit out or, you know, you you lose the challenge and Rob and Shona will walk on into the final two and he agrees. It's brilliant. And, and like, right now, if you're watching this for the first time and you don't know how it ends, clearly we're spoiled for you, but, like, you you are thinking at this point, who is that dumb to do that? And this is back to my comparison with Fiji, because ultimately, Yao has that much trust in Dreams, and Dreams backstabs him. So it's kind of like, well, you kind of 
your own fault in a way, Yao, because you kind of put him at not trust in there. So, I mean, this could have easily, you could argue, gone pear-shaped for Rob. But I think the difference being here is, and that's back to the point about that, Joel's the only person you can do this with because you can tell you can manipulate him. Rob and Shona are incredibly smart. They are not going to do this unless they know the person is going to come through with it. They know they get through this vote, they've got him to the end. Because after tonight, bye-bye Jane, there's five left, they have the majority. Joel's not going to flip-flop back. Spoiler alert next week, it's going to be a bit of tension around it, but sadly it's not going to happen. And ultimately, they know Joel's psyche enough, and, and it's that sense of pride and and keeping his integrity intact that they know he would rather than winning $500,000. And that's ultimately what it will be. We will get Joel admitting that in the reunion, that he would rather walk out of that game with his integrity than backstabbing them and going to it. So this is where I think that it's this is such a genius move too because they know that Joel will do this no matter what. There is no way Joel is going to pull a dreams and flip on them at the end and go, actually, no, I'm going to win this immunity just to screw with your head. So this is where it's all levels of genius. It's so incredible. There's a little moment there, actually, I too like when Rob is talking to Joel and Jane obviously is behind them. So, like, Rob's kind of like, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I think, yep, no, and just kind of like changes the subject. It's it's, it's hilarious (laughs) the way he kind of does that. Yeah, and you're right. It's brilliant. I mean, we don't need to to sell Rob and Shona anymore because they they are brilliant. They knew they picked the right guy that they were they were 99% confident that he would live up to his word and he ultimately does. What I also like during all this that there's a they shoot back to a shot of um Sophie and Jane. Oh, yeah, Sophie nearly dies. Yeah. When yeah, when they're fishing on the rocks and <laughs> Sophie nearly gets taken out by a massive wave, um, which only misses her by a meter or two. Um if that and, and it's true, if that would have knocked her off the rocks, that she that did. swelled down there and it people die people have died. Yeah. Multiple you Google it, multiple people have died down at Whaler's Way with that sort of exact same thing happening. And um yeah, it would have been it would have been hard to get her out and they even say, she even says, you know, she's, she's lucky to be alive. I actually really like the way, I mean, it, it feels a bit random. I think that, like, it kind of, the way it's kind of put in the middle of all this great Joel, Rob, Shona stuff, it's a bit random. But I, I do like the way that it's very raw because kind of like the way the camera person is filming it, you kind of see the way they zoom in on it. And I think they all, like, realise, oh, holy fuck, that was really close. There's been a bit of criticism, I think, like when we get to the finale, uh, and we'll talk about it when we get to the infamous Katie confessional and the, and sort of the cheapness of there's a camera shot where you kind of you see the camera person running after Katie. It looks bad, but I disagree. I think it adds to the raw and realism of it, and I think this is one of those moments where it adds to the real realistic raw sort of feel of it. And yeah, I mean this is scary. Like it's 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 glossed over very quickly. It's just like oh lol could have drowned. Um, but, like, seriously, uh, it, imagine if, if she, she had not, have drowned and uh, season one of Australian Survivor, we had a death in it. If, if she was going into that water, she was in big trouble. And and you're right, they brushed over it. But uh, I think production got a well, and Sophie got a little bit lucky that uh, 
she wasn't a couple of meters closer to that wave. Otherwise, it, um, things could have been different. There's, um, yeah, before we get to tribal, a uh, little intersection moment where I think the editors do a, have a bit of fun here. It's similar to what we had with Lance a couple of weeks ago with Lance's, you know, oh, there's no alliances. They kind of cut to Jane like, yeah, no, I guarantee I'll be here tomorrow. Like, it's kind of like it's a nice little moment. Oh, Queen Jane, she's been on a throne today. She's had a box of favorites and all that sort of thing. And can I just say, we never see Jane sharing those favorites. Got to say. You go, girl. You eat your bloody favourites. You deserve them. You've well, done nothing for 31 days. You eat your favourites. Well, she never shared her scones either, so I'm actually, I've am actually i got more respect for Jane. I, I've been saying that I'm Queen sick of Jane. sharing stuff, and Jane, she, she, we haven't seen her share anything. Exactly. So, Nor should she. She's 18. She keeps them to herself. We talk about all these other players being ahead of their time. Maybe Jane was ahead of her time. Uh, and and, and I, in all seriousness, I guarantee you, if this season was in the season, the age of social media, Jane would be a huge fan favorite. Like she, these oh, type agree. of characters get love from so many corners of the internet. Jane would be loved, and we are starting this right now. We are being twenty twenty in two thousand and two by watching this. We are the eyes of the internet. Jane, Queen Jane, hashtag Queen Jane. <laughs> I, I agree. She would have been a big fan favorite. But talking about love, I love when Rob and Joel hug when when the deal is done. The final deal. We we've heard all this talk about the final three and and what Joel has to do. But yeah, you know, just leading into tribal, just before tribal, we uh, we see where where Rob and Joel they hug. The deal is done, and uh, Shona had already been talking about how this game's changing minute by minute, and it's like shifting sand. Um, and then Shona has a little confession where she says. It's a, and this is another another really good confessional. Talk about, I said Shona has, you know, the six of the top bloody ten confessionals. It's just another one here. Just before before Tribal Council, she says, it's a big call, isn't it? 500,000 and someone's word and integrity, it's a big call. Just a great, subtle confessional that Shona's renowned for giving. But um, leading into Tribal, I love when you hear stuff like that. No, I agree. Completely agree. And and this is maybe the first tribal that we can actually say it's it's actually a decent tribal because sort of, you know, we bit of back and forth with the, the conversation. I do love learning that Shona has had years of windsurfing and Tai Chi experience. You good on you, you know? Is there anything is there anything she hasn't done? When I heard that, I was like, Oh my god, that's added another couple of things to the list. She uh has not played Tiddlywinks in Whaler's Way. That's one thing she hasn't done. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is kind of Joel drops that line about, you know, great to chat to family today. So that's kind of, you know, where you, you see it there. And again, we sort of talked a little bit about how, um, it, it comes down to the questions that are asked at tribal, feeling vulnerable, Lincoln to Jane. Like, how about you, Jane? You, you're feeling a little bit, uh, vulnerable. Uh, I should actually just backtrack this on a Dick Lincoln moment. There was a moment earlier, I think it was at the immunity challenge, wasn't it? Where Lincoln was kind of like, you know, oh, if you win, uh, you know, if you don't think you need this tonight, maybe you need to rethink that or something like that because you will be vulnerable or something like Dick Lincoln. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And did we cover off this, this leading into Did we cover off the confessional with Jane talking about how she feels so secure and can almost guarantee she'll be there tomorrow? You're not listening to me because, again, Matt. I said it. Oh, yep. Yep. Oh, well, Matt, I was, I, was, I was prepared, getting prepared for the, all the Shona bloody confessionals. <laughs> but it, the reason why I wanted to make sure we covered off on that because – it, you know, Lincoln, we'll talk about Lincoln and saying some great lines at Tribal because he's asking all the questions. He, he asks um, he asked Jane about how she feels and she mentions again that, um, yeah, she's feeling good. But 
he does that line at the end, and and I'm probably jumping a little bit ahead, but how how basically how if you feel secure, yeah, you shouldn't be, and and it's just a great line because once again we see Joel. She went into this tribal thinking there's no way she was going home, uh, but yeah, there's a lot more to talk about this tribal because of course we get the um, the tied vote, which is our very first time the history of Australian Survivor. So Joel gets three, Jane gets threes. Of course, uh, Shona, Rob, and Joel all vote all vote for Jane, while uh, Jane, Katie, and Sophie all vote. For Joel, uh, they each get a chance to address the tribe and then everyone has to go and vote. I do love Jane. I came in as Jane Dalton and I left as Queen Jane. Um, and then I also <laughs> love, uh, you know, Joel, you know, I, my number one goal was to get to par across the line and, uh, you know, I, it was a team effort, but I kind of did that. Um, ultimately, another tie, Joel, Jane, Joel, Jane. And I just want to point out right now, in the day and age of whispering at tribal council and blah, 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 how good is it to just kind of sit there with no reactions? Like, but I mean, having said that, there is a reaction. Look at Katie's face. Katie just has like a what the hell look on her face, and when she like revotes and holds up the thing, she's just kind of like, huh, Joel puts it in. She is pissed. Do you think she finally? This is the point. She's realised. Oh shit, my plans. Not happening. Well, we're going to see that in the next week on Australian Survivor with Katie basically like, I hate Rob, I hate Shona. <laughs> now, what did you think about the Jane's and Joel's speech? I think Joel definitely, because once it was a tied vote, they had to do a speech each. And uh, I think Joel beat her on, I mean, not that it would have mattered, but uh, Jane just sort of says, yeah, like you said about how, well, I'm Jane Dalton, this is who I came on, and this is why I should stay. But I thought Joel's speech was actually really good. He, he said that he's... His goal was to bring as many Tapara members in and um, to the merge, which he's done, and he's played an honest, honest and integrity, in, in, in you know, within played with honesty and integrity. So, I thought it was actually a good speeches, especially Joel's. I didn't really like Jane's speech, but um, let's be honest, it didn't matter in the end. Rob and Shona were not going to change their vote. And and I agree with you. I think Joel's was way better, but I also think too that we didn't see it on our screen, but clearly Joel, uh, sorry, Rob and Shona knew that they were going to win this because Jane had passed votes against her. So that yeah. they clearly knew that this was going to happen. Um, and that's ultimately what happens because Jane's what had four against her. Joel's had none. And this is back to my point. I'd love to get your thought on this because ultimately Jane goes purely on the fact that there was a count back. And I am a big fan of this. I wish they still did this because to me, having passed votes count against you it adds something extra to the game. Like we saw a lot of this earlier on when the tribes merged and sort of it all came down to like Craig throwing a vote here or Katie wanting them to vote for Lance to keep votes away from certain people. Like you're thinking about this. Like it, you, there is that added element of strategy to a game. And nowadays in Survivor, tie votes just bring complexity. There's just like stupidity because there's so many different advantages, left, right, and center. Like this is just nice, simple, straight to the point. And then that's where if this ultimately can't be broken, you have the rock. And again, I'm kind of fine with The Rock. It's just, it's a chance game and you got to risk it. So I don't know how you feel about it. I love pass votes as a tiebreaker. I say bring it back. I agree, but I can see why they do the fire challenge now because it adds more suspense for TV viewers. So they can sit there, they do the fire challenge, they edit it to look like it's, you know, oh, who's going to win, who's going to win, you know, and then bang, this is who wins and the other one goes home. So it adds that whole suspense to an end of an episode and to an end of a tribal council. However, the advantage of doing the past votes thing is 
it it changes the way people play. It adds that extra element to how people need to play throughout the game. So if you're a target early on, those past votes that went against you could come back to haunt you later on. It changes the way people vote. For instance, this is a classic example. Robin Shona knew that Jane had a lot more votes than Joel because Joel didn't have any have any vote past votes. So they knew that this is the plan they had to do for them to get through this tribal council. So it it actually created great gameplay. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. But uh ultimately because Jane basically sucked so much this season. She had a lot of votes against her this season, so ultimately she's the one going home. Bye-bye, Queen Jane, the youngest, to this day, player to have ever played Australian Survivor. We have not had somebody under the age of 20 since, if I am not mistaken. Um, So an incredible feat. We'll we'll eulogise her slightly in just a moment. But uh, next week on the show, next week on Australian Survivor, Katie hates Robin Shona. Um, Joel's in the power position, essentially, and Jane's final words, which seems to be a trend. I don't know if they've done this all season, but uh, we've had about three vote-outs in a row now, haven't we, of uh, best memory and worst memory. Uh, Jane, very level-headed. She looks back on it with no regrets. I mean, this is the blind side, let's be honest. This is our second blind side in a row. Jane really had no clue that she was going home. And she's basically just like, yeah, I have no regrets. Had a great time. And, uh, yeah, here she is. She's out of the game. She said her best memory was that, that first immunity challenge, or should I say the replacement immunity challenge on the first episode where it came down to the true or false um, questions. And, of course, she was up against Lucinda and, and won. Um, so that was her best memory. And, um, yeah, she loved the experience and the adventure, and she looked back with no regrets. So um, you're right, though. It was a blind side. She never saw it coming. And, uh, yeah, so we've had two blind sides in a row. Now, Let's have a bit of a look here at some of old Jane. I'm uh, excited to say that she had two birds going into this game, Frank and George. Now, I don't know if Frank and George is still with us. Might find that out. She doesn't like snakes or spiders. Um, Didn't really see a whole lot of that phobia out there. Her luxury item was a razor. Her personal item, a sky blue sarong. And what pisses her off, Matt? People eating and drinking loudly. That's a bit of a shame for her. Her uh, favourite sports team, the Newcastle Knights. Not a... How do you rank the Newcastle Knights on a level of like or hatred outside of your own team? More more like than hate. Oh, interesting. There you go. Um, her favourite sport is swimming. Favourite movie, Father of the Bride 1 and 2 and The Green Mile. Her favourite actor, Nicolas Cage, Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks. Actress, she likes a bit of Catherine Zeta-Jones and Julia Roberts. Her favourite music type, soundtracks. She likes a good soundtrack. And her favourite chocolate or lollies, White Dream, chocolate and milkshakes. She loves her kettle chips and twisties. None of the lays here, uh, Matt. But uh, there you go. And her favourite alcoholic beverage, she doesn't drink. I wonder if she wasn't old enough when uh, this happened. The craziest wild thing she would do for money would be left out at sea in a shark cage for the whole night alone. There you go. Uh, The reason why she entered Australian Survivor, she loved watching the American series. And when Channel 9 advertised it, she just had to try. Uh, Now, what skills do you think she brought to Australian Survivor, Matt Dyson? What do you think she uh, said she brought to the table? Well, I know, thanks to Shona, I know it wasn't... uh boiling rice <laughs> and um well, she was living I, I would think it would be something like a bit of fun and humor well you're on the right track she has a good imagination she's creative she's able to develop a rapport with most people easily she's a good listener hard worker tries to see the funny side of situations 
and she can be quite entertaining. Now, Jane, I love you. You're a queen. You're great. You're under underappreciated in your time. Without being disrespectful, did you provide entertainment to the camp besides people just hating on you so much? I don't know. Maybe we there were some unaired Jane moments, Matt, that we missed out on. What do you think? Yeah, I think if she was playing now as that 18-year-old, she'd be edit, edited differently. I think, well, they might still do the whole Jane sort of useless edit, which there's always someone gets. But I don't know. I think... I think it's important to remember that she was 18, and, and you said this multiple times. She's the only 18-year-old to ever play Australian Survivor, um, the youngest player ever. And, I mean, she did pretty well. To, I know she was, on a, she was on a great tribe that won a lot, but, you know, she lasted 33 days as an 18-year-old. She clearly didn't have a lot of idea about the, 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 the game in general, about how the, the dirty side of the game um, – but look, I think you've got to give her credit. An 18, she could have been the first out, Ben. So to last 33 days, I know we've had a lot of fun on on, on this podcast, sort of, you know, and that's only because there's so many confessionals from all the cast members saying about how Jane was useless and sucked, and we've sort of played on that. But she is voted out now, and I think it is important to say that, she, yeah, for an 18-year-old, she did fantastic in this game. And, um, you know, and who knows, if, if someone like Rob has voted out at this stage, she could have easily got to the final two. I'm not saying she necessarily would have won it, but she could have got herself to the end. And you're 100% right. And the interesting thing about this season, of the six youngest players to have ever played Australian Survivor, three of them are on this season, Jane, Naomi, and Joel. Now, that's fascinating to think that, uh, that that you kind of have that that interesting gap there. And the the next youngest player to have ever played Australian Survivor is Ben from season four. He was twenty. So it's 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 fascinating to think that they've not gone for someone younger. And it's yeah, you're right. Like no matter what you say about Jane, we've had some fun with her this season, you know, she sucks this, that and everything else. Now she's a queen. No matter what you say about her, she's eighteen years old playing this game and she made it to what what is this, day thirty three, day thirty four incredible achievement and like i've said it before i don't know if as an 18 year old i could have done this well i I was an idiot at at 20 i was an idiot at 22 doesn't matter what age i was like i was an idiot i still am an idiot let's be honest but like at at 18 like there's no way i would have had the mental capacity to do as well as jane did you applied for this season you mean you're older than jane if i'm not mistaken so how do you think i mean do you think you could have done this i mean god you sucked at like 30 whatever you lasted two fucking days but like do you think you could have at least as an 18 year old maybe just played the you know i suck card or something like that yeah i think jane might actually be a little a little bit older than me um but um a couple of months but um you're right oh look now looking back if i had got on that show as an 18 year old i i mean i don't knowing what i was like then i don't i don't think there's any chance i would have got to day 33 so look um yes and yes she had a lot of luck um, and you need that in Survivor. You do need – I mean, at the end of the day, you need luck in Survivor. She got a bit of that, but, um, you know, she also did a great job to to get that far. So, you know, all credit to her. Luke Dennehy gave her a three-and-a-half-star rating. Uh, pros were like Colleen and Elizabeth in previous Survivors. Jane could charm the contestants. Cons, not physically strong enough. Well, she won a slingshot challenge. Uh, confessionals-wise, uh, she only ended up with 19, same as Lance. 
So uh, Craig, Naomi, Karen, Deb, and David. And just saying right now, Matt Dyson, we're an hour and a half into this episode. You haven't mentioned him once. Um, They all got more confessionals than Jane did. Uh, And she only got two in her vote out episode, which she still got double the amount that Lance got, that Naomi got. Uh, and then Lucinda got only got the one confessional. So, uh, yeah. And, look, I think she has a legacy in the fact that she still remains the youngest player of all time. Everyone remembers her as the 18-year-old from Australian Survivor. I would argue if you were to rank Season 1 contestants based on their memorability, and this is no disrespect to people I'm going to list below Jane, but I would say Jane comes out more memorable than Sophie, than, than Naomi, than, uh, I don't know, um, Lucinda, <laughs> Tim, you know, uh, Jeff. Like, and again, no disrespect to anyone. I'm not saying that they're unmemorable people. I'm just saying in terms of the fact that I think most people remember Jane because, hey, there was that 18-year-old from the first season of Australian Survivor. Everyone knows Lucinda Ben. Let's be yeah, honest. Well, yeah. The first that she was the first person to vote for herself. But no, I, I get what you mean, and you're right it, because everyone knew that it was this, you know, this young girl playing the game, um, Jane. You know, she was. Um, yeah, so you're right. One that's always been remembered, and um, you know, hopefully. We get to uh, have a chat to her. Well, that's going to lead me into my next point. Uh, we are hoping that next week uh, she will be joining us uh, to, I guess, say at the time of recording this, we're in the process of, uh, of getting her on the show. So uh, fingers crossed that that will happen. If it doesn't happen next week, we hope that, of course, it will happen in the future, similar to what happened with Jeff, uh, that obviously it came down the line a little bit longer uh, down the line. I make sense in my head sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so fingers crossed that will happen because she she's one of these... I mean, not that I would say this against any of the other ones, but she would definitely be one of the ones that would be really fascinating that I'm hoping we get to chat to because I, I also feel there's a lot of Jane we didn't see. I think there's a lot of Jane... I mean, 19 confessionals, as I said, a lot to Jane that uh, I feel wasn't shown that she would have a lot to talk, tell us about. Well, 19 confessionals for someone that lasted 33 days is, is very small amount, isn't it? So... You're 100. We we didn't we didn't see much of Jane. Um, we, you know, we only saw the parts where she not really helping out at camp and thinks she's safe and all that. But yeah, it's going to be great to talk to her and actually find out what was really going on with her game, and to hear it from you know to, to find out how an 18 year old dealt with what was going on will, will be brilliant. Exactly. So uh, stay tuned for that, hopefully next week. And for everyone else uh, who is enjoying these episodes, we always take that opportunity to. Drop us a like on Facebook if you don't already. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe, all the relevant channels. We do appreciate all the comments, the feedback that you do give us. We'd love to see some of that feedback up there on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. It does help us get a little bit more exposed out there so that we can get shown or listened to, our guests from a lot more people around the world. So uh, if you do listen to us on any of those platforms, please, it would be great if you could just uh, spend a, a minute or two of your time dropping us some feedback and letting us know what you do think of the shows. Buffs still available, at least at the time of recording this, unless they've gone in the next however long it is between this and release date. But uh, if, if you're interested, drop us an email, Archives at hotmail.com, and we uh, might be able to hook you up with one. Otherwise, I'm sure we can source one in the black market. We'll... I don't know, bash me or something like that. I've got a couple that maybe you might want to have. But, uh, yeah, contact us for those and we'll be able to hook you up with that. And remember, of course, 500 likes, follows or whatever on our social channels. Matthew Dyson will swing on a vine. 1,000 will get that audition tape finally. So, uh, you know, this is a poignant week to remind people of that audition tape. 18-year-old Matt Dyson, 18-year-old Jane Dalton. They could have been a lot. They could have been a showman. 
They could have been the Robin Amber of Australian Survivor. They could have met and fallen in love out there. They could have had 30 daughters with the middle name of Rose or whatever the hell the middle name is of Robin Amber's kids. Who knows? This could have been it. So I want to see the audition tape that I could have started from. Matt Dyson, I want to see it. Well, get those likes and follows in, guys, and uh, you'll get that opportunity. This is our shortest episode in quite some time. So uh, we're, we're, you know, from, what, three hours a couple of weeks ago with Craig to under two hours this time around, so go us. But we do appreciate everyone for tuning in. It's always a lot of fun talking to you about Australian Survivor. Season 1, Whaler's Way. Next, uh, next recap I should mention, too, it's our last normal-length episode because after that, we're into the finale and uh, we're hoping to have a couple of uh, special guests, at least one special guest for that finale episode. That will go for a long time. But, uh, yeah, interesting to think, Matt, that we are only one episode away from uh, getting into our finale. And boy, oh boy, wowee, am I excited for that episode. Yeah, it's sad that it's, you know, starting to come to an end, but uh, so excited to get some of these more, get some of these interviews going um, with these final few contestants and hear all about the nitty-gritty and, and to really analyse these, um, these final few episodes and talk about what ultimately happens in the end. Indeed. Stay tuned. Plenty still to come. And as always, we're going to close it out by saying, my name is Ben and I like him round and big. And when I'm throwing a gig, I just can't help myself. I'm acting like an animal. Now here's my scandal. I want to get you home and double up. Uh, double up. Uh, uh. Brilliant, Ben. That's better than my rap. Wait, no. Wait. No. Go home, Matt Dyson. You're drunk. MC Matt You're Dyson, right. wrap us out. My name's Matt Dyson, and uh, I'm going to go buy one of those new Nokia 3310s. There was a bit of a plan to get rid of Lance for a while, and um, and I obviously wasn't a part of that. I mean, look, I guess I've obviously been very much kept in the dark. I mean, I lost immunity yesterday, and given that there's possibly, I'm not sure, but there's possibly an alliance going on, I think I've pieced together from the numbers that there's definitely some sort of alliance going on that I wasn't aware of. You know, you'd have to say to yourself, how could he not know? But to be perfectly frank with you, I I don't think he does. They taste just like crap and they sit in you for ages because they're just like rubber and you can just feel this big rubber glump in your gut. One, two, three, four, five. Yes! Yes! You're down to six now. You must be feeling vulnerable. If you're not, you should be. See, if I form with you two, that's three, we vote Jane out tonight. Then you've only got the two girls to contend with. And then I said to him, well, if you're prepared to go to three and lose the immunity to guarantee us the path through, we'll keep you on further. And he's given us his word that that's what he'll do, and I believe him. This game, at this stage of the game, is literally minute by minute. It's like shifting sand. Okay, Joel, this is where all the hard work pays off. You've got 15 minutes on the internet on a video link up with your girlfriend, Claudia. Oh! Hi, baby. Jolly. Jolly. Hey, baby. Jolly, catch this. I'm just picturing what it would take for me to get off. What does that do? Sorry, had your chance. Yeah, season. I mean, it's the game, and I keep trying to tell myself this is all right to do this sort of stuff. Hey, Joel. Yeah, bud. Give us one of those uh, iced tea wraps. 
Alright, stop. Collaborate and listen. I sit back from a brand new invention, something. Grabs a hold of me tightly, flows like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up the stage, wax jump like a candle. Dance. Versus speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better gain weight. You better hit fools. I wanna keep on playing. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. I wanna get you home and ooh, double uh, up, ooh, uh, ooh. Uh, right, do it again. Oh! <laughs> 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 oh, you champion! Oh, yeah! Oh, wow! I knew you couldn't handle that. Give me my bike back! <laughs>